1: Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. This is obviously not Seth. I am Sam Stone. Seth had to, he had to moose. and he turned this studio over to me, and I have covered it in tinfoil so far. And now we're going to take it to the next leap. Uh, but first, I have to set this one up. So this may be a bit of a long lead, folks. So bear with me here. But as I mentioned, I, you know, in the first hour on the air here with Seth and, and, uh, in the last hour also, I have become over the years a very deep student of history. I have read histories from around the globe, um, looked at the actions of the United States, United Nations and others. And one of the things that has baffled me, and frankly, I've never had a good answer for, is why the U.S. has done all the things we've done militarily since the end of the Second World War. So you look at the the Second World War. We end that war with Germany and Japan and we immediately jump into two different confrontations. We jump into the Cold War with the Russian Soviets who had been our our putative allies uh, and likewise – we got into a war with china uh you know over the korean peninsula and china of course had also been our putative ally um so we get into a war you know world come out of world war 2 we go straight into korea and then from there into vietnam and vietnam never made any real sense to me the domino theory just doesn't hold water when you think about it and and maybe i lack the Zeitgeist of the 1950s and 60s that bred it. But at the end of the day, the idea that because a country in Southeast Asia or a handful of countries were going to become communist, that that would be, you know, some terrible uh, thing for the United States and justify our military intervention in Vietnam. That just doesn't hold water to me, Jamie.
2: Well, I mean, it didn't really pan out. I mean, we we did end up with communist countries over there. And yeah, we lost. Really, yeah. I mean, I mean, we lost. It, so. I mean, you could say what you'd like about what's happening in culture right now, but I would say that that is not a direct result of, say, North Korea existing.
1: Right. No, I don't think it is, nor of Vietnam being a no. communist state or China or Russia or any of this. Um, our, our, the root of our problem is our universities and, and yeah. the academic I mean, theories frankly, and Marx I that would have say taken that over. But the, the
2: people who want to push this theory probably did look at those wars and said, This is not how we're going to make this happen. We're going to try to do this a little bit more subtly. And they are. And they, yes, did. Uh,
1: but so then we went from Vietnam. Uh, we had a period of relative peace, but it was constantly sort of interrupted by all these little conf- conflagrations. Across the globe. Uh, then we go into the next era, which is, you know, first Yugoslavia, Somalia, and then into Gulf War I, uh, Gulf War II, and the war on terror. And as those start to wind down, and I thought this was particularly telling, uh, as Donald Trump came into the presidency and finally started delivering on the promise that politicians had been making to the American people for over a decade to wind down our wars in the Middle East, uh, the deep state, the CIA, the State Department uh, and the, their various allies did everything they could to provoke us into a conflict with Russia in Syria.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean is that fair to say?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean they really wanted a war.
1: They, they wanted a war. And frankly the only reason they didn't get one was because the Russians exercised pretty significant restraint in the theater of operations and did not engage. We were very careful not to engage our forces. Um, there is the one famous in- incident with the Wagner group where they went uh, to take over a U.S. base and, and just got wiped out by air support. Um, and the Russians did not back them up, didn't help them out, basically just let them get slaughtered. But, you know, very clearly, some of these globalist interests were trying to create a war with Russia. And then we see the pullout from Afghanistan. And they managed then, through what has to be either absolute ineptitude. And this goes back. So Gulf War I, people forget. Gulf War I, look at the Middle East, look at the makeup of those countries. Saddam Hussein was an evil, terrible human being, a terrible dictator, brutal to his people. But he was in charge of the only secular state, essentially secular state in the Middle East. And he had been a U.S. ally. And prior to his invasion of Kuwait, Saddam Hussein – you can look all this up, folks. This is, not, this is not conspiracy theory. This is very much the reality of what happened. Saddam went to the US ambassador in Iraq, a woman named April Gillespie, and he told her what his plans were. He said he was going to go invade uh, Kuwait and eventually Saudi Arabia. And the signal he got back through the State Department was, OK, that's not really much of a concern to us. And if you look at it from the position of, you know, in the Middle East, you essentially have two axes of Islamic power Iran and Saudi Arabia, Sunni and Shia, both very, very driven by religion and by Islamist animosity to the West. And here in the midst of them was this other country run by a brutal, evil, but secular dictator. And if you looked at it historically, what would have been the best outcome for the United States would have been a unified Iraq takes over those areas without Saddam Hussein.
2: Oh, there's some crazy alternate history to think about.
1: Right. But, but if you look at what would have been the best path for the United States to box in Iran to start pushing back because the deal that the Saudi royal family made with the, uh, with the Wahhabis – who were the most radical and largest and most powerful Islamic tribe uh, and with ExxonMobil, brought them to power and has funded Wahhabist expansion around the globe. And one of the reasons we've seen Islam be radicalized around the globe to the extent it has is because of the mosques and madrasas that have been funded by the Wahhabis using the oil money from Saudi Arabia. So had they not had power anymore (laughs) – you would have cut off that tap worldwide.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What would have been a better outcome for the United States? That or our current status quo? Okay.
2: All I, right.
1: I just put this out there that I think we instigated that war in either via incompetence or intent. Mm-hmm. We clearly instigated Gulf War Two. Yeah. Um, so – When you look at all of this, these actions don't really make sense. Then we went and we instigated a war in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine by crossing every red line the Russians had set. Is that fair also?
2: Yeah, probably. I mean the Russians were very
1: clear about no NATO expansion into Ukraine, no – you know – No arming of it. Right. We we
2: really do seem to be trying our best to get drawn into that with boots on the ground. A straight out fight between us and Russia and just cut the Ukrainians out.
1: Well, and for Ukraine to have a chance to win, that probably has to be the thing that what would happen now. I mean, the problem, and I brought this up in other forms, is that the Ukrainians had a smaller population than the Russians had military age males. Like there's more military age males in Russia than the entire population of Ukraine. Wow. So when people talk about, oh, the Russian army has been knocked down by 300,000 people, okay, well, fine, but they still have another million five that they can call up who are military age. So uh, you know that's a really sort of – it's hard to see that Ukraine winning without us going in there. All these wars, why have we instigated war after war? Why have these folks been wrong, have done this and then been wrong about virtually everything? I mean you can go back to – since World War II, we basically have gotten into war after war after war, which we have not come out well in.
2: No. I mean we've managed to draw them out much longer than – I mean I, you could make the argument, of course, that they're trying to preserve civilian life. I get that. But I mean right. these things went on for a very long time and it's not like we came out on top on a lot of them.
1: Right. I mean you could argue Korea. You could have
2: shut these things down pretty quick if you'd been willing to
1: – You can look at Gulf War One,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right, where we achieved very limited military objectives – and then left the status quo. You can look at Korea where we at least held on to the south um, as draws, mm-hmm. essentially. You I You really Gulf-
2: can't say that about Vietnam.
1: No, Vietnam was a loss.
2: So we just kept hanging on.
1: Yeah. So all of these things, none of it makes sense to me. And I keep trying to think, why would you do these things? Why would you do this? And so when we come back from the break, I'm going to give you Sam's special crazy theory about the only thing I can think of that actually makes sense to start all this mess. Are you ready?
2: Hang on, guys.
1: Folks, stay tuned and get your phones dial in 602-508-0960. Sam Stone in for Seth Liebson coming back in just a minute. All right. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Hang a little tin foil on your Christmas tree. This is Sam Stone filling in for Seth. And when I went to break, I was laying out Everything that the U.S. has done in terms of making war around the globe since World War II, which has basically been one continue, continuous offensive operation uh, with some fairly offensive results, uh, as in we keep A lot
2: keep, of people got killed. A
1: lot of people got killed without much gain that you could really identify. And so why would you do that? Why, why are they this wrong? And this gets back to some of my conspiracy theory. So the purpose of war is to safeguard your people, ideally, or safeguard another people like we did in World War II. I think those are both valid. Anything else starts to be very questionable. Why would you do it? The benign, if you want to call such a thing benign, theory that we've all heard is that this is the work of the deep, whether you want to call it the deep state or the military industrial complex uh that they have pushed for this, that they have pushed us into war after war for profit. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Profit's a pretty good motivator, and the people behind this kind of thing are not the kind of people that would you know get real squeamish over a bunch of people who aren't them dying. So that's a obviously really legitimate theory.
2: I mean Dwight D. Eisenhower would agree with you.
1: He would. He did. He <laughs> was a
2: smart guy. He would know.
1: Yeah. And you know what? We, we've heard that since by people who are in the know that that is a big part of what goes on. I think we're seeing that very clearly with what was the attempt to get into Syria and mm-hmm. what's happening in Ukraine. Um,
2: I think we're going to end up seeing it with Israel and Hamas.
1: I, I'm afraid, i
2: afraid. I have a feeling that's going to spill over and get really ugly.
1: I'm afraid you're right. We could be confronting a war with Iran. Yeah. In there. Um,
2: uh, plenty of people talking about Taiwan.
1: Taiwan, China, you know, look, China has made it very clear and they have a plan. They have a timeline. They've been actually advancing that timeline, but I, you know, you look at the Chinese economy teetering and that is one of the reasons I think the risk to Taiwan is much greater now than it was just a few years ago. Um but beyond the profit motive. Here's my question for the profit motive. And and it goes back to something some of the callers said about the UFOs and aliens and conspiracy theories mm-hmm. is where's the proof? Where's the whistleblower? Where's the person who came forward? So in all these years of the military-industrial complex engaging and pushing America into these wars, there's no one who's come forward who's been like, so I was in a meeting between, you know, McDonnell Douglas, the CEO of McDonnell Douglas, and so and so, and they, you know, they're pushing us to get into this conflict so we can buy more jets. We've never heard that. Now, again, profit motive's there. So people have a reason to shut up and sit down.
2: You don't think maybe they've convinced even themselves that there's some greater cause they're serving that's not profit, but it also, you know, it's easy to convince yourself of something when there's some self-interest at play that you don't acknowledge.
1: Entirely possible. Entirely possible. But I am going to go all the way out on a limb with a totally different theory. What does a constant state of war engender? It engenders military advancement. It engenders the creation and funding of better and better weapons systems. Right. Without a war, without global conflict, the U.S. Defense Department budget would be totally unthinkable. I mean – Quite frankly, unthinkable because you think of all the things we could do. I mean, people always like to point at the Northern European countries and their giant social safety nets. Mm-hmm. Well, if we weren't paying for a military in the way they're not paying for a military.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're paying for theirs essentially. Right.
1: <laughs> so if we weren't doing that and if we were paying a lot less for our own, mm-hmm. we could have those giant social safety nets that they have, right? Sure. There's lots of other things. You
2: know, I have less faith in government than you do, I think. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm actually kind of coming to this from more of a – like where the liberals would say something sure. on this, right? Sure. Like I'd rather they just lowered taxes and yeah. left it in everybody's no, I mean, pocket. We could, but We could
2: certainly spend the money that they want to talk about. Right. I don't know that it would do much for there us. There are
1: plenty of needs here in America, I mm-hmm. guess, is the basic point I'm making. There are lots of things. Like right here in the Southwest, we need a couple of billion dollars, which is chicken scratch compared to what we've sent to Ukraine. But we need a couple of billion dollars to create a Southwest-wide water delivery system and desalination plants, right?
2: Millions of people could benefit for years. For Generation upon
1: generation upon generation. Millions upon millions of people would benefit forever. I mean, it would... would,
2: That's life-saving and life-changing down here.
1: So there are real needs for the money we're spending on all this war. So why would you keep doing this? The only thing that actually makes sense to me, Jamie, the only thing that actually makes sense. Here we is, go. This is. Yep, Here's the <laughs> rabbit hole, folks, is aliens.
2: All right, Sam. What about aliens?
1: Well, so if our government knew that there was a potential threat from an alien race
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was, you know, had hostility, animosity towards us. And they knew that obviously they are far more technologically advanced than we are. Would it not make sense to keep the United States and the other elite global powers in a constant state of conflict to spur weapons development to meet that potential future threat? Jamie is shaking her head. She's smiling at the microphone. She is stunned, speechless, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Sam. Oh, boy. So are you proposing that it's just the United States that is driving this, or do you say that they are in cahoots with these other global powers? I
1: I would say they are in cahoots with all these other global powers. Where they stage these wars. Where they stage these conflicts to continuously develop our military capabilities, ours and others. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go back to the book I mentioned by by, uh, 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 Colonel Corso, Right. Talking about after the Roswell crash, all the materials from that crash, the bodies and so forth, were divvied up among the military branches. And then, uh, about a decade or so later, were dispersed to various military contractors. And from that have come a number of uh, improvements, if you will, defensive capabilities, stealth technology improved radar lidar lasers we're developing all sorts of really high-end technology now uh, that we've never seen before is this the reason
2: i think there might be a simpler explanation here sam you think i i think maybe i think that this this military industrial complex if you let it stop is very difficult and expensive to restart and well, I think maybe they're trying to avoid that because one know, day we will get into me. a real war.
1: You, I almost had you? you. Almost had me, Sam. Where you know? did I lose you, almost, you David? The really? aliens. <laughs> oh,
3: <laughs> the aliens! You know, you had we had. Well, you this, were going Orwellian. You know, this there is, central, is a forever war, Oceania. With, you know, Orwell wrote all, all about this in yeah. the forties. You know that yeah. that you could never not have a war for society's but, but, sake. Or, but
1: Orwell had not been here for the last three years when our government kept telling us they're like here, here are the all aliens. All right, here's my
3: question. Where, where's the shift? Where did we go from fighting tribe-against-tribe wars to creating war for tribe-versus-alien wars? <laughs> World War Two. World War Two. So,
2: what happened yeah. in World War Two? Because now we can get into some really interesting stuff. Because Hitler had a very deep obsession with the occult. Does that tie in?
1: He oh, had a no. deep. Yes, it, <laughs> he does. Because he had a deep obsession with the occult. He also had a deep obsession with very high technology uh-huh. and with aliens. Let's not forget, Hitler was an alien believer. Also, yeah, I'm okay. putting myself right. in really bad company right now, this aren't is, I?
2: This is going really well, guys. I see <laughs> that,
1: uh, folks. Six zero two five zero eight. 0960 602 508 0960. Am I completely insane? That seems increasingly likely. He's
2: going to dig himself deeper in this hole when we come back.
1: Or am I crazy like a fox? Coming back in just a moment. And welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, folks. This is Sam Stone. Digging my political grave here for a little tinfoil fun. But you know what? Look, we're having fun with this. All right. Do I 100% believe in all the everything I've said today? Absolutely not. But that's the fun part about conspiracy theories, as least as I alluded to at the start of the, the hour, uh, last hour was that, you know, conspiracy theories just keep happening to come true. Right. Like the lab leak was a conspiracy theory if you listen to certain people. Mm-hmm. But yet that was true. Uh, what we have seen with the WEF, the WHO, uh, the UN, EU, all these supranational organizations actually trying to lead the world down the rabbit hole to a new world order. Uh, th- that's not even a question anymore. They're standing up and, and waving their hands and saying, yes, we're doing this. Um and and the reason I posit aliens, and Jamie was laughing at me in the break, and she can laugh at me some more now, and oh, so I will. So can all of you um, <laughs> is because what they are doing to this world, this country, and and I'm back to, to being actually serious about this, but what these folks of this new world order are doing to this world and this country is almost unfathomable unless there is some really ridiculous. Ridiculous explanation for it. Because otherwise, what is so wrong? Think back, folks, just a few years ago, pre 2020, but go back a decade before that to the early 2000s, late 90s. What is so wrong with a society that talks, that focuses on being colorblind? What's wrong with a society where people are Free to discuss viewpoints across the political spectrum without fear of retribution. What was wrong with a society uh, where people generally got along and were moving forward together because everything they're doing right now appears to be designed to tear us apart, to create conflict both here and across the globe. So we've talked about some of these other conflicts, Jamie, that we've been getting into But it's hard for me to fathom what a a different explanation would be why they would even try everything they're doing.
2: It just seems like to me if you were going to create all of this conflict, going back to the aliens, you've put us in a weaker position to come together and fight the aliens when that comes back. (laughs) I
1: mean – well, see now, they, now. Here's here's the other. Sorry, folks. I, I
2: can't let the aliens go. This is insane.
1: I got I got to dig back. In. I'm going to dig my hole a little bit further. Why do they want to cut the population to 500 million? Maybe we were planted here as a food source, and 500 million <laughs> is too small a population a for them to want to harvest. Yeah, absolutely. The we're aliens the show source? up. They wrap us all up in big, you know, boxcar uh, spaceships and take us back to be processed. I
2: mean, we surpassed 500 million a we, long we went time from ago.
3: Orwell to
2: the twilight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my good buddy bill in the other studio will know there are entire episodes of the twilight zone about this <laughs> right That's right true. no
1: exactly in fact
3: there's a couple i can think of you know yeah. the aliens come back and they say yes we seated you and you have a small talent for war and they say okay wait yeah. three days and we'll figure it out and so then this is back in the 80s when they made this episode the united states and russia have come together in this international peace accord the aliens come back and they say Oh, what have you done now? What is this that you've done? And they say, we created world peace. We're ready to join the international community. And the <laughs> aliens, they say, oh, no, no, no. You misunderstood us. We set a small talent for war. We breed warriors. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, hey, who knows, folks? But it, but it is hard for me to fathom, Jamie, what, because you look at this, in, in as we alluded to with Seth in the first hour, There is a very concerted and it appears to be managed scheme to change society Mm -hmm. and change it in ways that appear to be making people both deeply unhappy and more likely to engage in conflict with one another on the personal level, on the local level. Think of all the families that were torn apart by the COVID response. For sure. Think of all the people uh, that to this day – I mean I – I see people and you talk to people and you know that COVID broke them, uh-huh. the res- and not COVID, the response to COVID, the, the, the fear, the fear.
2: They never got over that.
1: No, it was, u- it was used against the population very deliberately. Fear is a weapon, and it was used effectively. Why? I mean again this this really it seems like society was on a very good track 15 years ago and then we have thrown that track right out the window and I cannot entirely comprehend why we would have done that other than the you know the down to earth explanation is this cabal are basically agents of satan. I, and maybe we're going back to some of the theories some of our callers have espoused there about devils But this is crazy stuff, folks. We're coming back in just a moment. And, folks, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today. We're going to get to – we have two more segments. The last one is a very short one, so we've got a little bit of time here. Um, We've obviously been talking a lot about conspiracy theories and and just not understanding where the world's going. But one thing you can see, and and we've seen this up close, is – a lot of what's gone wrong with this country, Jamie, is almost all of it truly emanates from our universities.
2: I would agree. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's not a conspiracy theory.
2: That's where all the bad ideas start and are given life and are nurtured. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, oh. yeah. Grown, you know, they, they are grown like mushrooms. And we know how you grow mushrooms.
2: Yes. It's in
1: the dark and we know what you feed them. So... But this is where it's time – I think if you believe in the country that I grew up in, that you grew up in, that so many of you out there listening uh, right now grew up in, we've got to start pushing back this stuff. I am I know I'm moving from like the ridiculous to the very serious here. Maybe that's a bit of a jarring transition.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> But here's the thing. Actually, it all ties together okay. because if you look at the power of this international cabal – what they are using is this perverted version of Marxism-Leninism and the various theories that evolve from it to create strife and inter, uh, international conflict, but also national conflict, mm-hmm. local conflict. This is what they're doing. And we see this very clearly, right? Di. They say diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it's not diverse, right? The diversity is just a reversal. In one sense, it's a racial reversal. And in another sense, it is a way to limit thought, not to diversify it, but to really constrain it. It's
2: very ideologically homogenous. There's no diversity in that at all. Right.
1: Equity – Which they've managed to fool people. We talked about equality for many years in this country. Equality is a fantastic thing. Equality is equal opportunity. And that is something we should all 100 percent embrace and believe in. Equal opportunity is the foundational principle of America. We didn't always live up to it. But we've gotten better and better. We were getting better and better over the years. And then we replaced it with equity. And equity is communism. Equity is redistribution by force. That is the government at the end of a gun taking something from you and giving it to somebody else, mostly to themselves.
2: Oh, yes.
1: Right. And inclusion. I'm not sure what is inclusive about anything they're doing. But what, it does, what it's been used for is a way to – Basically say that people who are insane, quite frankly, who are deeply disturbed, um, people who are incapable of controlling themselves or their own emotions should be listened to the same way as a thoughtful, rational person. This is how you end up with Jordan Peterson Mm -hmm. on one end and all the people that have interviewed him on the BBC over the others. (laughs) Right. Like it is really insane What they're doing. And so, how do we start pushing back? I mean, you don't have to believe in this is my point behind all this. You don't actually have to believe in aliens to understand that we are being manipulated for purposes that are not disclosed to us, that the world is being pushed to the brink of conflict after conflict for purposes that are not disclosed to us, the population. And the reasons for it are at best nefarious Mm -hmm. and at worst, Homicidal.
2: Oh, genocidal.
1: Genocidal.
2: Homicide is small game.
1: Yeah. Homicide is for people who go to jail. Genocide is for people who stand at the top of a podium in front of the WEF.
2: I was going to say the U.N., but yeah. Same thing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, look, the U.N. literally is – the U.N. routinely calls for essentially the genocide of the Jewish people.
2: I mean, right. you just have to look who's on their human rights council. It's ridiculous. Right. Like, these are not leaders in human rights.
1: None of this, none of this makes any kind of sense unless you see that there is an agenda that most of us are not privy to and frankly are not part of in the vision of the people executing it. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't want you and me around. They definitely no. don't want me around. After no, because today, we can't
2: be controlled. Right. That's what this is. We're, yes, Perhaps distracted, but not controlled <laughs> yeah you
1: know, that's that's the <laughs> thing
2: I, I think those are the two things they're trying to do with all of this 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 infighting and
1: and you you want to know actually one thing that's very concerning. We know the government tracked very carefully who took the vaccines and who did not
2: that is so creepy
1: they yeah they, i mean, but if you think about that it's it's creepier than just the tracking of that one thing. Because what you just identified in the population is the line between people who will comply with government without rational reason.
2: I think that is – I mean here's my conspiracy – I, I think that is why they push so hard on it, mandatory vaccines for cops and government employees and military. It's because they wanted someone who wouldn't question orders. Yes. They wanted to get rid of everybody else who would say, um, you know, maybe this one's not so ethical.
1: And look at what they're doing with all of those agencies with DEI. Yeah. Right?
2: Uh, anybody who raises a question, you're out.
1: Yeah. If if you post something on social media that is de- not DEI compliant. Yeah. You knew those professions, you're either your career's over, your advancement's over, or you're just pushed out.
2: It kind of just depends on how quickly you apologize for it. Can well, you be controlled,
1: yeah, that's it, right? Can you be controlled? And it's a really disconcerting thing that our government now knows exactly who in this population is controllable and who is not, yeah, um, because. Let's be honest. Look at what they've done with, for instance, the J6 defendants, mm-hmm. right, where they jailed them for two years plus oh, it's insane. without a trial. Yeah. Um,
2: if we had done that to BLM rioters, right. we'd have another riot.
1: Oh, y- you would have every city in this country being burned yeah. down. And, and it does concern me that Republicans in the end turned out to be more compliant yeah. Then frankly I think the government could have hoped for because there's been no focus on this. You you watch almost you know, you see it on social media. But where where is Fox News when it comes to all these people who have had their rights stripped away and have been jailed without trial for all this time? Where is the mainstream media when you take a grandmother who never went inside the Capitol and you jail her for an extended period of time um for for nothing? Mm -hmm. I mean, just for for having been standing in the wrong place outside the Capitol at the wrong time.
2: It's amazing to me how much effort they have gone to to track down everyone who even thought about D.C. that day when I I don't think that the world is in great shape. Like maybe we ought to think about some of the crimes happening in the country. Yeah. Well, how about how about this?
1: I mean, people we have all this totally uncontrolled border. We know people who want to do us harm are coming across that border. And we know this just came out that the air marshal service had been redirected from pursuing terrorists to following Jace, anyone who was in Washington. You didn't even have to be at the darn protest. And they're following you around on airplanes. Air marshals are following these folks in and on their flights and not doing their job of actually trying to prevent terrorism.
2: No, this is intimidation. This is why they requested everyone who interacted with Donald Trump's Twitter account this is just a scare tactic.
1: My fear is that it's more than a scare tactic, that it's the yeah. first stages of planning for far more. Folks, we're going to come back. One final segment before we go. Thank you so much for staying in tune with us today. We really appreciate it. For Seth Liebson, Sam, I'm Sam Stone. We will be back one more segment to go just a moment. And welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show with your host, Guest hosting today, Sam Stone, in for Seth Liebson. Folks, thank you so much for staying tuned in tune with us here today. Really appreciate your patience. I know some of this was a little bit crazy, but you know what? You know what's even crazier? Uh, early on in the conspiracy theory portion of this program, I said that Bigfoot. I'm not about. I'm not a believer. Bigfoot does not exist. And yet, during the break, young David took us down the hall, and we have seen the evidence, Jamie. We have seen the There's proof.
2: amazing proof. You can't deny this.
3: Undeniable proof.
1: Undeniable proof. It was right there on Seth Liebson's desk. Yep. He has the photo. He has the backyard mannequin, which I assume is like, is that, is that bait? Does, does that bring the <laughs> oh, other maybe. Bigfoot in? Maybe. He's got, he's got the animal.
2: Or, or is he trying to scare it off like he put an owl in the backyard to scare off the – Oh, does
1: that work too? I don't know. But... I
3: think this is more akin to like idol worship, you know? Oh, OK. <laughs> OK.
1: All right. So that's an altar. Yeah. It's All right. an altar to Bigfoot. So it's an altar to Bigfoot. Well, in fact, the entire desk is an altar to Bigfoot. But it is clearly, folks, irrefutable proof that Bigfoot exists. And I was wrong. Now, maybe that I'm just saying that because Seth Leibson a friend of mine and I would like to be invited back on his program again. But then again, I think I blew that when I talked about the space aliens causing all the conflict on Earth. Who knows? What do you think, Jamie?
2: I'm not sure you're going to be back anytime soon. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: See? See, folks, I'm going to need you. Folks, you got you to email this we'll radio a letter station. letter writing campaign. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Leave I need lots you.
2: of comments on iTunes and all for the podcast. Right. <laughs> Hashtag
3: Save Sam. Yes.
2: Yeah, there you go.
1: That's it, Save Sam. For fr- Save Sam. Christmas, folks, all you have to do is just send in some, inf- you know, send some emails, send some texts, send some twixts. There you go. Send it in hashtag Save Sam because otherwise, you're never going to hear me on these air on these air again because I have made a complete fool out of myself on the air today, and I enjoyed every minute of it, <laughs> Jamie. Thank no, you so no much. No regrets. For, no, none. <laughs> I'm going to get this
3: campaign started right now. We're going right to <laughs> Okay. I
2: also need someone to Photoshop Sam's face on the Aliens guy meme, okay? <laughs> <I need>
1: that.
2: <laughs> Go ahead and just tag that. Save Sam. We'll see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. At Sam the Paul. At Perfect. Sam the P-O-L. Uh, definitely do that, folks. Uh, and th- again, thank you so much for sticking with us. I really appreciated being on the air. Jamie, young David, it was a pleasure Working with both of you today.
2: It was fun, Sam. (laughs) Uh,
1: We probably will never have the opportunity to do this again.
2: No, it was nice meeting everyone. Yes. But in in the meantime,
1: (laughs) folks, uh, Merry Christmas. I hope, uh, in case I don't get the chance to reach out to all of you, that you have a wonderful holiday with your friends and family. And really do make it about the people around you. And cherish the time you have with them. It is far too fleeting, let me tell you. And that's... That's it for today. We're out. For Seth Leibson, I'm Sam Stone. Thank you so much.